coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. Thank you very much, Moses, for that wonderful introduction. I do have a question. It's about Blue Apron. Yeah, boss, we've talked about using it several times on the show before, and I think it's a really good product, but did you have something more to say about it? Yes, Moses, yes, I did have something more to say about it. I was going to ask you about cooking with your wife, but I'll relate this from a, a personal experience side of this. I know a lot of the listeners, you've got families, you've got kids, I know you've taken your kids out to eat and probably spent, you know, if you got a family with mother, father, and two kids, you're probably out there spending, you order meals, uh, you've got the kids, you know, you, you've got good food at the restaurant, I'll give you that, you definitely do have good food, but after the tip and everything, you're probably paying 60, 70, 80 bucks for the meal, and that's just, that's just rough. That's where Blue Apron comes in. Not only for a family of four, you're looking at less than $40 for a meal, but you get restaurant quality, you get a choice of what you want. If you've got allergies, you can customize it, completely customizable, and you make it yourself, but they send you the directions with pictures, and they send you the exact amount of ingredients you need to make each dish. Let's say you've got a kid who's allergic to banana peppers, but you didn't realize that banana peppers were in the recipe, well, then you just throw them out. Recipe works the same way. You can make it without the banana peppers. And you can customize everything from the website. If you don't like fish, you can have them send you dishes that don't contain fish. It's very easy. And the food is amazing. You're making it yourself. If you've got, again, a mom, dad, and two kids, now you've got a bonding experience. You get the kids involved. You make the dish together. It's a very good family bonding experience. You're paying less than $40 for the entire meal. And then you're creating something together. And that family aspect is really one of the biggest selling points of Blue Apron. I use it. Moses uses it. And you should use it too. Go to blueapron.com izzy. You'll get $30 off your first order. Now that only works with your first order. So your first time signing up, use that link, blueapron.com slash izzy. Blueapron.com slash I-Z-Z-I. Take advantage of that $30 discount and create a family bonding experience. And now, the topic of today's podcast. I'm sure a lot of my listeners have traveled through the air. You know, typically on your commercial, commercial airline, you're going to speed around... 540 to 580 miles per hour. That's typical speed for a commercial airline. 
And because you're flying through the air, you don't really notice how fast you're actually going because you're in an enclosed capsule. With this show airing in October, the 50th anniversary of the speed record, you will find this topic very interesting. Some of the history of airline travel and speeds of airplanes since their creation, I've learned a lot in doing this show. And a lot of this information will surprise you, especially with the speed record when we get to that. Two of the records that I thought were kind of memorable here, back on August 11th, 1986, the record speed for the fastest helicopter was set. Fastest helicopter traveling 249 miles per hour. On December 31st of 1988, another record was set. This is probably a record that you may not be entirely happy to hold. But the fastest landing speed record where no one aboard the plane was hurt. And that was 258 miles per hour. They had 76 passengers on board the plane when they landed and nobody was hurt. Enter into the picture William J. Knight. Born back in 1929, Mr. Knight had an extended career in the Air Force. Went to college at Butler University and Purdue University. Had a Bachelor of Science degree in Aeronautical Engineering from the U.S. Air Force, no doubt. Typical family guy. Married and had some kids. What makes him interesting is what he did with his career in the Air Force. He was an esteemed pilot. A lot of the aircraft that he flew were experimental. He was a test pilot at Edwards Air Force Base in California. After participating in many of the test flight programs, he was selected to test a special experimental aircraft, one that you've probably never heard of. He earned his astronaut wings by becoming one of only five pilots to actually fly an airplane in space, reaching an altitude of over 280,000 feet. Mr. Knight was a test pilot at Edwards Air Force Base for nearly 10 years. He flew combat missions over Asia and several other tours around the world. Finally, after 32 years of service in the Air Force and more than 6,000 hours piloting different planes, flying over 100 different kinds of aircraft, he retired. The record that he retired with is the topic of today's podcast. As we talk about the speeds that these aircraft have grown to reach, I like to look back and see some of the history of airplanes and what kind of speeds they used to attain. I think back to 1903 with the Wright brothers. December 17th, 1903, with their Wright Flyer model aircraft, they reached a total speed of about six and a half miles per hour. Hardly the pace of a commercial airliner today, but for back then, it was the first plane to get up in the air and fly successfully, so it was a big deal. In 1905, they were able to break the 37 mile per hour mark. And now, the race to the fastest plane begins. In October of 1910, there was a pilot out of New York who was able to fly a plane 68 miles per hour. Getting faster, September of 1912, a pilot out of Chicago was able to break the 100-mile-per-hour mark. Someone we mentioned before on this show, the episode Conspiracy in the Harbor, 
which aired on May 1st. Mr. Air Force Billy Mitchell, in 1922, flew out of Detroit, Michigan, with a new speed record of 222 miles per hour. In 1935, we head over to Santa Ana, California. Howard Hughes pilots a plane at 354 miles per hour. 1947, again out of California. Now our record is up to 623 miles per hour. But wait, 1947? 623 is faster than the commercial airliners are flying today. Is that real? Again, 1947. Chuck Yeager, out in California, 670 miles per hour. Fast forward to October of 1953. A member of the U.S. Navy, James Verdon, achieves 752 miles per hour in his Douglas F-4D Skyray. Now that we've surpassed the speed of the commercial airliners back in the 1950s, it really kind of makes you think, with all the improvements in technology that we've had, we've got planes now that are definitely safer, but they're actually traveling at slightly slower speeds than the 1940s and 1950s. In May of 1958, at Edwards Air Force Base, Captain Irwin of the U.S. Air Force breaks the 1,400 mile per hour mark. Fast forward to 1976, in a Lockheed SR-71 over Beale Air Force Base, Captain Eldon and Major George T. Morgan break the 2,100 mile per hour mark. That 2,193 mile per hour speed is the actual airspeed record for a manned air-breathing jet aircraft. It was capable of taking off and landing on its own. Now, those are some of the distinctions when they set these flight records up. They have different categories. So, for example, if a plane could take off on its own, then it would be placed in one category. If a plane needed to be attached to a rocket in order to get airborne, and then it was released, and then it could fly on its own, that's considered being assisted, and those flight records are kind of held in a slightly different category. And that's where the topic of today's podcast comes in. Because back on October 3rd, 1967, William Knight set the record in an X-15 flying 4,519 miles per hour. What was this X-15 that set the speed record 50 years ago that you've probably never heard of? Well, it was an experimental aircraft. An experimental aircraft that had many different pilots and many different people who were very brave and going out risking their lives to test fly this thing, having no knowledge of what was going to happen. On one such run, the pilot had to maneuver the plane in order to scan the horizon so a camera could get pictures. In order to maintain the camera angle, a certain altitude had to be reached. The pilot reached that altitude, and it was time to descend. Now, at the time, the ground control did not have the type of technology that they do today, so they relied heavily on pilot input and their instrumentation in order to figure out what was going on. This time, an electrical disturbance had degraded the effectiveness of the plane's control system. 
This caused the pilot to have to step up his game and manually override several of the controls. Whether he was distracted or suffering from vertigo, the pilot was unable to maintain control of the aircraft. The aircraft went into a spin. As the spin accelerated, the aircraft became out of control. And at that point, there was nothing the pilot could do to recover. As the aircraft came crashing down to the ground, the pilot, Mike Adams, died in the accident. A memorial was created at the crash site. And this final crash brought about the end of the testing on the X-15. This hypersonic rocket-powered aircraft goes down in history as the fastest plane. William Knight goes down in history as the fastest pilot. While the X-15 goes down as a permanent piece of history, its speed records may last for a long time to come. Some of the qualities that this aircraft possessed were pretty interesting, but the fact that this speed record was set 50 years ago is really what makes this a spectacular aircraft and part of American history that people should know about. Some of the more interesting things about this plane are that the X-15 had an ejection seat. You know, if the pilot realized he was in trouble, he could eject, and that seat was set up to work at speeds up to Mach 4, which is just over 2,700 miles per hour. If the pilot felt the need to eject, the seat had a set of fins that would automatically be deployed and used until it reached a safe altitude where you could deploy the ejection seat parachute. The suit that the pilot had to wear, well, that was pressurized with nitrogen gas. The way the pilot would breathe is that an oxygen tube was fed in separately, completely separate part of the suit. In order to keep a steady control over the plane flying at such fast speeds, the plane had a, a very thick wedged tail on the end. That would keep it flying straight. The problem is that at lower speeds, that tail would slow the plane down so much that it just created too much drag. And that's one of the primary reasons why it needed to be lifted up by a rocket and could not take off on its own. It was built so that only one person could fly it at a time. It was just over 50 feet long with a wingspan of just over 22 feet. Stood 13 and a half feet high and could climb at a rate of 60,000 feet per minute. And the pilot who really made this aircraft his baby, after he retired from the Air Force, he pursued a political career. He became a senator out in the state of California. He was involved in some of the more popular pieces of legislation out in the state of California. In the year 2000, he was an author of Prop 22, also known as the Knight Initiative. Purpose of this was to ban same-sex marriage. Proposition passed with a 61% approval rating. A little bit of trivia in here to show you that even on-track world record holders still have the same family quarrels that everyone else does. After his Prop 22 got passed in the year 2000, in 2004, his son David, who is gay, married his partner, in San Francisco, in defiance of the state law, thus proving that world record holders are just normal people. Something else that I found interesting in doing my research was that 
The most astounding thing is that this record was set 50 years ago and no one has beaten it since. So I started thinking about our military aircraft and the, the jet fighters that we use. How fast do they go? We've got to have like a stealth bomber or something that's close to the speed of an X-15. No, we don't. Fighter jets are usually around 1,000 to 2,000 miles per hour. Still only a fraction of the record speed set in 1967. With this podcast releasing in the month of October, that marks the 50th anniversary of our world speed record. And this marks the conclusion of this month's episode of The Derek Izzy Show. Just want to remind you, get your family together. Have a Blue Apron meal. Go to blueapron.com slash Izzy because now you know the rest of the story. So before I conclude today's show, just want to remind everyone to write a review on iTunes. Give us a five-star review with your comments. It's something that's really helpful to the program. It gets us gets us noticed out there by the iTunes family, and it's something that we can bring directly to the sponsors as a way of listenership and excitement about the show. So just go on iTunes, write, give us a five-star review, and depending on the quality of your review, maybe we'll mention your name on the show. I guess Moses could start reading some reviews since he doesn't really do anything. This concludes the Derek Izzy Show. Good day. Thank you.